to trick, to treat, or to abstain. We're talking Halloween on this edition of The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Welcome, believers, patriots, friends, and family. I'm Sean Griffin, CMO, Chief Media Officer for the Kingdom Patriot Group and producer of The Grid. I'd like to thank you for joining us for this special edition, Halloween. Is it okay for Christians to celebrate? When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company, like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. All right, Sean, we got a couple stories in the news today. I'm really excited to get to our topic. So we're only going to cover two stories. One of them is just representative of our culture, our society, what happens when you have government intervention going amok. And then the other one is just an example of political chaos. So I'm going to go with the crazy story first. I read this story about a gentleman in Washington who bought a house, he renovated it, and then he was renting it out as to, uh, I guess, through Airbnb customers. And then he got his own apartment he got a real small apartment that he was renting himself and he was just using the house to generate income as he was earning money to get certifications and stuff in his career. The challenge happened is that he got an Airbnb renter in there who would not pay. And because of the crazy laws in Washington, he cannot evict that person. The person owes him more than $34,000. The guy is broke. He had to get rid of his apartment. He is living out of his van and he went to court and on court, they put him on a continuance and he doesn't have a court date for another four months. Now here's what's even worse. This renter who will not pay him turn around and listed that property on Airbnb as his own and is making income from it. And this guy basically has had no legal recourse at this point. How do you do that? Ultimately, he was caught not truly owning the property. And I guess he got delisted eventually from Airbnb. But that's more of a, a commerce piece. It has nothing to do with the legality. This guy is illegally occupying uh, a property that he does not own. And this guy can't get him out. And it reminded me of how the government intervened during COVID and basically said, if you're a renter, you can't be evicted during COVID. And how many investors, property owners, just good, hardworking Americans who had property and used as income, how many were financially distressed because of these stupid policies? And I understand the government was trying to protect people from being unnecessarily evicted, but at the end of the day, it's the wrong move. 
and it, it's the wrong move because it created uh, just a whole nother subgroup of victims in our, in our culture. And you're seeing it with this guy and man, I just feel for him. Fortunately, he's, uh, oh, by the way, the, the renter who won't pay because apparently he has no income, he is given a free public defender for court. And the guy that's trying to get rid of him is racking up thousands of dollars of legal fees. And fortunately, someone helped him start a, a GoFundMe page, but it just, the injustice of it is, is staggering. So anyway, I thought that was a story just to talk about, yeah, this is what happens when you have a society full of victimhood, victims creating victimhood, victim neighborhoods, and then you have government who enacts laws and regulations to just further support that and further solidify that. It just, anyway, drives me crazy. The other thing in the big news, Sean, is that the GOP now has a Speaker of the House and Mike Johnson. Now, Sean, do you know who Mike Johnson is? Never even heard of him. I mean, it is a very generic name, but never heard of him. Yeah, it'd only be more generic if it was Mike Smith, but that is correct. I didn't know who he is. Do you even know what state he's from? Louisiana. Yeah. Okay. So you knew that. I, yeah. I, did, I was paying attention. I didn't know that until I looked, but yeah, he's from the state of Louisiana. He's kind of a quiet guy. Now the feedback I've heard so far is he's a really good choice, but that is not the subject of today's story. What's really the subject is, is the chaos and how McCarthy was removed. Then you had candidate after candidate get nominated behind closed doors with a certain group of Republicans only to lose support when it came before the entire house and the and the rest of the Republicans. You had Steve Scalise, you had Jim Jordan, you have Tom uh, Emmer. I think it's Tom Emmer from Minnesota. It's just candidate after candidate after candidate until finally we ended up here with Mike Johnson. Maybe we ended up in the, in the, in the right place. But the reason I want to bring this story up is for, uh, is, is I guess for a couple of reasons, not the reason, several reasons. And one of this, this is why the elections matter. We should be looking at this from a 30 to 40 seat advantage in the House of Representatives and we basically have four. We can only use, lose four Republicans on any vote. And then in whatever vote it is, it's toast. And I believe there's some radicals here in the Republican Party who are not thinking on what's overall best for conservatism, overall what's best for our country and the American people. There's a lot of agendas going on here. I mean, it's kind of politics 101. That is a whole nother story. It frustrates me. But it wouldn't matter if we'd done our job in the previous election. If we had done our job in nominating the right candidates, supporting the right candidates, taking our focus off some of the things that we were, which was the past, we were focusing on the past, we were focusing, focusing on how uh, Trump had been wronged in the election and all those things instead of the validity of putting quality candidates in, and this is the result we get. We literally snatched victory, or I guess defeat from the, from the jaws of victory. It just absolutely frustrates me that you know we, we are supporting that mantra that, that Republicans can't govern. They can't govern well. And uh, anyway, more to come. I could go on and on about that, but super, super frustrated. Sean, did you have any take uh, on this election of the Speaker of the House? Yeah, I do think that we snatched victory from the jaws of defeat. I mean, no, we snatched, vic yeah, we snatched, yeah, whatever it was that you just said, we definitely did it. I am a fan of Matt Getz, but I'd like to buy a pair of brand new boots and kick him in the glutes. Because this was stupid. And I agree with something that you said a couple of uh, episodes ago. I was not a McCarthy fan. His best friend is a Democrat strategist. And so, whoa, the pockets in both sides just make you want to make you wonder what's in them. But I agree, like I said, a couple of podcasts ago, he actually has done surprisingly well. And he's in a spot 
he's in a situation where he's between a rock and a hard place and it's not always going to come out crisp and clean conservative you've got to make some wheels and some deals there and you've got to count that you're making some progress toward the goal even though you can't jump straight from zero to your goal i think that's an important point sean i I would sum that up as saying that perfection is the enemy of progress and i would never say that we're progressives but if we can take incremental steps and conservative biblical held values and conservatism in our government we should take them we should take them instead of saying we're going to shoot for the moon or or nothing it's all or nothing well yeah all or nothing gets us a four seat advantage in the house instead of 30 seat all or nothing gets us chaos and then with that four seat advantage then you factor in the rhinos we've got more than four of those yes we do and then we've got some that are kind of rhino sympathetic and you don't have an advantage you are totally correct Absolutely. Well, I could go on and on, but again, I want to get to today's topic. So for this week's news and review, that's a wrap. It's October, and usually October begins with the church bringing out the old debate whether or not it's good or okay for a Christian to celebrate Halloween. We take a look at the origins, we take a look at the history And then quite often, as we're looking at the origins and the history, we drag in Christmas and Easter. Both of those have pagan origins. By the time they get to the end of of the discussion and the debate, they're thinking, oh, well, we probably shouldn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. And then they swing it back around. And then the whole debate about Halloween, which has a mix of origin and history, definitely a mix. And it's more over time. So by the time they reach the end of the debate, the whole thing is fizzled out. And then we'll just pick it up again next year. We don't come to any conclusion. Now, there will be some people that will come to a conclusion. I mean, I came to a conclusion quite a number of years ago and have entered into a debate with a number of people over time. That's why I'm saying now that we restart this debate every October. This time we're going to ditch the history. I'm going to ditch the history. I'm going to ditch the origin. We're not going to look at that part. We're going to look at what I think is important, yes, it's my personal opinion, but how is something being celebrated today and what is being done in the celebration? That's what's key. Because regardless of what has been in the past, the important thing is, where is it now? My past before Jesus is covered in the blood. And the Lord can teach me a lot of stuff about my past, my origin, my history. But I have a new life in Christ Jesus. What's important is what's going on now. What's important is what's going on today. So that's what we're going to do, is we're going to just look at it today. All right, so what is it today? If you look on television, you go to the store, immediately, what do you see? All the decorations, all the programming, it's about the glorification of darkness. All things dark and wicked. It's about demons, it's about ghosts, it's about witchcrafts, killing scary, spooky stuff. It's about talking to the dead, about casting spells, witches, brews, all all kinds of stuff. And they're all, all making it fun because if you actually participated in those things, you would end up in jail or dead because what they actually do is not good. What we see more often than not today is a glorification of the kingdom of darkness. As I said, it's all about demons and ghosts and witchcraft and killing and spooky stuff. The decorations, 
You can go to Home Depot, you can go to Walmart, you can go to Target, any home decor store. And what are you going to find? You're going to find witches, monsters, skeletons, zombies, ghosts, the devil. You're going to find costumes that feature all these things. You're going to find decorations with bats and cobwebs, the Grim Reaper, tombstones, anything related to death or fear, anything related to witchcraft, okay? Cauldrons, things of that nature, anything macabre, anything dark. That's what you're going to find for decorations. Okay, you might occasionally find a leaf. You know, somebody brings out the harvest stuff, so they'll bring out a bale of hay and some untouched pumpkins and maybe some leaves just to be festive in, in terms of the fall. But the rest of the decorations are going to be based on darkness and wickedness. So what are some of the activities that we see that take place during Halloween, either in the lead up to or the day of? There are haunted houses, cemetery tours, scary movies, seances, trick-or-treat, costume contests, jack-o'-lantern carving contests, and parties involving the Ouija board. Now, I don't want to go into that too far, but let's just say, to be blunt, that a Ouija board is a real thing. It is sold as a game. It is no game. It is a gateway to the spirit realm. And I'm not talking about God and angel. I'm talking about the demonic realm. Many people, whether they have given their lives to Jesus or not, have shared that the pieces on there move okay there's a lot of junk that goes on with that and there are many people that have played with that game and it's the gateway into all kinds of horrible spiritual darkness it's like opening the door to the kingdom of darkness and demons and inviting them to come in ignorantly not knowing that that's what you've done see the enemy of our soul we have to look at the spiritual origins of, of Halloween. The enemy of our soul doesn't care how you opened the door. You opened it and you allowed him in. Maybe you closed the door, but you didn't lock it. They tried the door and they opened it. Oh, it was unlocked. That's not breaking and entering, it's just entering. But the fact is you opened the door and you let him come in. They don't care that you don't know that. They just care that you did it. You entered into their territory. Now they have a right to invade yours. This is what happens when people play with fire, or in this case, when they play with Ouija boards. Stay away. And don't throw the board away if you have it. Destroy it. Light it up. Mangle it up. Make sure that it is no longer useful. All right, let's cut to the chase. If we cut to the chase... You're participating in a celebration that glorifies the kingdom of darkness. It's all darkness and evil. It's sick and twisted. If you are participating in the celebration, then you are glorifying the kingdom of darkness. All that is dark and evil. You are. You are. And scripture makes it very obvious that we're not supposed to do that. Okay? When it comes to trying to decide what you do about certain things in life and in this case we're talking about halloween should we do this there's a couple of things that we need to do to making a decision the first place we need to go is god's word and we need to see does god's word directly address the issue there are lots of issues it does the ten commandments covers a lot of territory but there are many issues 
that are not directly covered by scripture, not directly addressed. So then what do you do? Well, you go to the next thing, and that is scriptural principles. You take a look at the issue that you've got before you that is not directly addressed by scripture, and you look at the characteristics or the elements. What makes this up? What goes on during this holiday? You take those elements and you look through scripture to see if there are any other activities that have something in common with these elements. The elements of this Halloween, is there anything reflected in the past? Well, sure enough, there is. We can just simply take a look at the element of witchcraft, because think about it. When it comes to the decorations, there's a lot of stuff that revolves around the witch. You've got the witch, you've got the hat, you've got the craggy nose, cats, bats, you've got a cauldron, you've got spells and incantations, a lot of ghosts, the crystal ball. There's a lot of stuff related to the decorations that are directly connected to witchcraft. So we can take a look at God's word and see what it says fundamentally about witchcraft. What does it say? Let's see. We're going to take a look at Leviticus 20, 27 first. And Leviticus 20, 27 says, A man or woman who is a medium or who has familiar spirits shall be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. Stoning was considered one of the legit ways to do a public execution. In principle, we're looking at a man or a woman who is a medium or has familiar spirits shall surely be put to death. That's what they did with witchcraft. Now let's take a look at Deuteronomy 18, 3 through 9. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, human sacrifice, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For those who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. Again, that's Deuteronomy 8, 3 through 9. That covers a lot of territory. That covers most of witchcraft. Now, there are some modern terms that are not listed here. Some of the other forms of witchcraft that we see in common today are, and the most common one is the zodiac astrology. Not to be confused with astronomy, which is the study of the stars, but those are considered gateway into witchcraft. And there's a lot of people, particularly the ladies, that are targeted by astrology. It's in almost every secular newspaper around the world, at least in America. So he tells them, when you go into the land, don't do any of this stuff. Do not participate. So if we're not to participate there, then why would we celebrate a holiday that promotes this stuff? Now, for the most part, you and I, if we were to go to a party or something, those decorations are there. We're not going to stir up spells. We're not going to sacrifice anybody. We're just dressing up. We're having food. And we're just talking. We're not actually doing any of the stuff. But don't you see? You're still participating. You're still practicing something. 
even though you're not doing the actual deed, okay? You're agreeing with it, even though you are not participating in it. You are agreeing. And that's all the enemy needs in order to have influence in your life. And that influence is going to be insane. Now, let's take a look real quick at a New Testament verse, Ephesians 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's what we're doing right here. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. Halloween is celebrating the fruits of darkness. Fear is a fruit. Scaring somebody is a fruit. Got it? So we're exposing that. We're just simply having a quick discussion about this, and we're exposing what all Halloween is, how it's being celebrated today, and why we shouldn't do that. Oh, celebrated. So there are folks that, for them, Halloween is actually a high holy day, okay? We, as believers, celebrate Easter. It is a holy day to us, and there are some people, their only part of celebrating Easter is just to look for Easter eggs and have the Easter egg hunts for the kids. We get that. And then some people who are not believers, they still participate at Christmas because it's the joy of the season. They enjoy all the things that go with Christmas and they take a Santa Claus approach to it. There's a split approach to both holidays. There's the secular aspect of it. And then there's the true aspect of it. So what's going on? So the same goes with Halloween. You got people that just have parties and go trick-or-treating, but then you got people who really practice, deeply celebrate the day. What are they? They're, they're conducting Black Sabbaths. They're having demonic festivals. They're conducting human sacrifices. Not all of them, some of them. And others who are not into the human sacrifice, they'll go with sacrificing animals. And then there are those who do practice the darkness, but they don't go quite that far. So there's a range. But there are people, there are folks for whom this is a high holy day. There are Satanists, and they laugh when they see a Christian celebrating Halloween because they know you have no clue what this is really all about to the people who take it to heart. This is a day of darkness. So they're laughing at us. Now think about this. We have no business celebrating darkness according to scripture would a jew celebrate hitler's birthday no a jew might celebrate hitler's death because to celebrate the death is to celebrate the end of something wicked if we want to celebrate something good we can celebrate the birth of something but if it was bad we're not going to celebrate its birth we're going to celebrate its end we don't celebrate the beginning of world war one or world war ii but we do celebrate the end, Armistice Day, November 11th, Veterans Day. We do celebrate the end of wars. That's good. All right, so participation in pagan practices is idolatry. It violates the first commandment. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment, you shall make no idols or graven images. That's what's happening, okay? When we are participating that, we are celebrating a different kingdom. We have no business. We are literally breaking the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other God before me. He tells us time and again, have nothing to do with darkness. And that's what Halloween is celebrating. So this was part one. 
Part two, we're going to discuss the church and individuals. What do they do in relationship to Halloween? Coming up next, right after this. You're listening to The Grid, a podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. You can find us on the internet at kingdompatriot.us. That's kingdompatriot.us. And now we're on YouTube, so be sure to hit like and follow and subscribe to keep up with the latest episodes. We'd love to hear from you. We read all your comments. Let us know if there's a subject you'd like us to address. The Grid, the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. Mondays on your favorite podcast player. And now on YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. All right, we are now back with part two. What can the church do? Normally in the second part or in our second segment, we would analyze the subject from the angles of faith, politics, and commerce. But we're kind of going to do away with that this week because it's really all faith. So, But I will mention them. So commerce. The marketing departments of many candy companies are probably not going to like this episode. Let's just be real. Politics. Politics can be scary enough on its own. We'll leave that for the non-holidays of the year. As I said, faith. This is all about faith. We're looking at the spiritual, what's really behind Halloween and whether or not to participate in it. So, so far, I have landed in the do not participate zone. You probably figured that out. But what can a church do? What can an individual do? I mean, because we still have to live through that day. And many of us work in places where something might be done to celebrate the day, whether it's a costume party, if you're at work, if you're in school, they have costume parties for the kids. In college, they do the same thing. Now, you still have to get through the day. So what do you do? All right, so we're going to look at the individual first. The one thing that I would suggest for the individual is very simple. Get candy. (laughs) I know if you look at the origin and the history, getting candy is probably not a good idea because it's kind of like you're participating. And we just talked about not participating. But here's a principle, a scriptural principle that I want to bring to your attention that I think that will help you as far as individuals and family go, families go, it'll help everybody across America. Read Acts 19, 11 through 12. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. So just being touched by something that Paul wore, whether it was a handkerchief or another garment or just something that he touched, they touched it in the distance. You know, they went home or something and that cloth touched the sick person and they were healed or somebody who's been demonized and they were set free of evil spirits. Folks, it's in scripture. It's there. So what can you do? Pray over the candy. Ask the Holy Spirit to bless that candy and to touch the folks that would consume it. And we know you're going to have children. You also have parents, college students, could be anybody that touches that candy. Invite the Holy Spirit to set them free from sicknesses, diseases, and from any demonic issues that they've got. Who knows what kind of a testimony you might have. Now, it's possible that you'll never directly hear it again because they might not equate eating that piece of candy with suddenly feeling better, but they're going to feel better nonetheless. Anyway, so that's one thing 
that you can do. It's strategic and you're doing it in the middle of darkness. So try it. All right. The church, what can the church do? All right. Well, there's a, there, there's a number of things. So this is not like a full blown list, but it, it's a list that I would suggest. You can have a worship night. I'm talking about promote events that have absolutely nothing to do with Halloween. Because when people get there, their expectation has nothing to do with Halloween. So I would suggest worship nights. Have a worship night. Pray for the town. Pray for the city during the worship night. You could sponsor evangelism outreach. There's lots of things that you can do as a church to reach out to the lost. Not just Halloween at any time, but why not Halloween? Now, spoiler alert, this next one is my favorite. This one takes a lot of work, but it's so rewarding. It is so rewarding. Your church could sponsor, hold on to your hats, folks, a hell house. What's a hell house? Some of them are called a hereafter house. It's a haunted house. They take something, whatever it is, and they tour people through it like a haunted house. But instead of stuff there meant to scare you, they show you scenes of life-ending events. And they show the truth about what happens when you die. They show the truth about hell. And since Halloween seeks to celebrate all the bad stuff and even demons from hell, it fits right in. But they also tend to show what happens to believers, and this is the whole point, when they die. Think of it as a dramatic theater presentation. You might actually go through an old house or maybe go through a set of trailers or something. Or in some cases, there are scenes outside. Maybe they're done in tents. You go from one tent to another. If wrecked cars are involved, then obviously you're going to be outside. They might use an old warehouse where they could stage scenes. They're powerful because as you are going through that setting, you're seeing one scene after another. And it's not like they're on stage. Most of these are not. You're standing there like you were in a museum and there's the scene unfolding. Now, some scenes may be totally static. They're just there. Others, when the tour comes up, they will immediately do something. It'll be a skit or something. There'll be some sort of drama going on in the scene. They're usually quite brief. And then in the end, there's a gospel presentation so powerful. This why, for me, this one is my favorite because it exposes the truth about the darkness that Halloween is celebrating, and it gives the truth. This is why Jesus came. He came to rescue us from witchcraft. He came to rescue us from our sins. He came to rescue us, quite honestly, from our own stupidity because, I mean, think about it. We do a lot of stupid things. Anyway, I hope that you hear our heart here at The Grit. We're not here to condemn. We're here to share the truth. We want to see people set free. Condemnation doesn't set anybody free. So I would encourage you. You may disagree with what I presented today, but think about it. Get before the Lord and ask him, is this legit? It is not going to hurt you. It's not going to hurt your kids to not participate in a dress-up contest. Use it as a teaching moment. It is not going to hurt them to not do trick-or-treating because guess what? 
for several thousand years, people didn't celebrate Halloween and they were just fine. I think our kids can get through not actually going out and trick-or-treating. But take these words, take them to heart, ask the Lord about it. And remember, biblical, to look at scripture. And if scripture does not directly address your issue, you want to then look at scriptural principle. Because somewhere in scripture, there's going to be a principle that will help you determine what you should or should not do. Thank you so much for listening to The Grid today. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us and help us join the fight for faith and freedom. Make sure to tell your friends and your family about The Grid if they haven't already listened to us. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, pretty much any podcast player. Also, it would help us if you'd give us a five-star review. That helps the algorithms and helps us get up in the searches. Also, YouTube. If you're listening today, you need to know that we're now on YouTube. We've had YouTube, but it's just been a static picture with little squiggly lines on it. Now we actually see us as we speak into the camera. So it's really cool. Anyway, your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued and your voice is needed. For Chris Coleman, I'm Sean Griffin, and we are Kingdom Patriots. Mm -hmm.